American podcasters are lost in the swirling maze of past and future ages during their latest series of movie reviews. It's the Time Shifters Podcast. We're going to attempt time travel. Welcome to the Time Shifters Podcast. This show discusses film and television from the long and recent past as well as the news and events surrounding them. We thank you for tuning in and would love to hear from you. Follow the link in the show notes to all our social media and websites, or send us an email to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. All I'm asking you to do now is to witness a demonstration of the possibility of movement within the fourth dimension. Everyone, and welcome back to the Time Shifters Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher, here as always with Tom. Tom, how the heck have you been? I am good. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty well, actually. I'm getting over a little bit of congestion, <laughs> which may be coming through on the podcast. I'm not sure entirely. We'll refer to you as your sexy voice. It's not quite that bad anymore. It was probably a little deeper over the weekend. Yeah, I always find it funny. If you get right at the tail end and you get the deep voice in there and you're like, can I lose the congestion and just keep that? <laughs> Uh, I'm at the point where the congestion is actually all just starting to like drip down the back of my throat, and it, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that you want to get rid of. Yes, but hopefully I can uh, get through the show without getting too uh, <laughs> without getting too bad. Now- I know we said we weren't gonna do our like 31 nights of Halloween thing, you know, officially and everything. Yeah, but you've been giving it a shot. <laughs> I've still managed to watch quite a lot of stuff uh, in the last, or yeah, the last several days, the first few days of uh, October. Oh yeah, it's actually kind of nice getting back to the, you know, because it doesn't feel like I have to, mm-hmm. and I'm allowed to just kind of browse and find something that sort of looks fun or interesting yeah. and watch that. It's actually it's a little nice. We haven't done. I haven't had a chance to do that in a couple years. So it's actually been a little, it's refreshing. <laughs> yeah, see, while while it's fun to do what we're doing, we are doing it off of a schedule. We have to plan it in advance and keep to the task. And it's freeing to just be able to go pick what you want when you want to. Yeah, and I found some, some interesting stuff. You know, when I get in the mood for just, I want a monster movie, I can try to find a monster movie. One of the films I came across, and it wasn't a monster film or anything, but it was just kind of like the... I was just looking for like the classic horror film. Mm-hmm. So I was like like 1980s horror. Well, I found literally like the first 1980s slasher film. It was called To All a Good Night. Because of a limited run in theaters just like a few months beforehand, before uh, the Friday the 13th, which premiered in 1980, this came out like three months before for like a limited time, making it the first 1980s slasher <laughs> film. With a title like that, did that have a Christmas bent of any kind? It did indeed. and But this had everything you kind of want from these 80s slashers because it had a villain that had that sort of the ability of teleportation because he could just suddenly be wherever it needed to be in order to make the kill. Of course. <laughs> They're always right there, right behind you, right when you need to. Exactly. Whether that would be up a tree <laughs> in the middle of the woods or my favorite and a suit of armor nice <laughs> <laughs> haven't seen that since scooby-doo exactly yeah how it got into the suit of armor did it get in did he get in the suit of armor just hoping someone would come by that he could then kill don't know doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome I'm going to pivot off of that real quick because I'm going to talk about a film to come. So I caught the trailer for a movie due out here December 1st called Violent Night. Oh, I like the name. That has, this can't be the first time that name has been used. I don't know (laughs) if it is, but still it is used to good effect and I really can't wait. This is... This stars David Harbour of Stranger Things fame. Um, 
He plays Hopper in Stranger Things, for those who have not bothered to watch it yet. Uh, the, the gruff cop. He is going to play the real Santa Claus. So for those that have no David Harbour's work, for him to play Santa is taking Santa in a direction that just doesn't go there often. Uh, I mean, he's going to be different than even like bad Santa <laughs> from that film. Um, but this is going to take a slant where um, there is a well-to-do family and they are being invaded by bad guys that want to steal their stuff. But of course it is Christmas Eve and the, the very adorable daughter has been provided with a walkie-talkie to talk directly to Santa. Um, in this case, she actually gets a hold of the real Santa. Santa comes to do the normal Santa things and then ends up facing off against the bad guys. Nice. In the in the trailer, there's even a scene where he sucks on the end of a candy cane till he gets it down to a sharp point and then jams it in the face of the, <laughs> the guy that's coming at him. <laughs> like, I have to see this so much. Chris. Kringle kills. I like yes, it. Yes, no. I, I, I get a kick out of uh, uh, bending Christmas in, in films. So, uh, I mean, Christmas Vacation, the Christmas that gone, that went wrong from the comedy angle to Krampus, which we have covered before. Um, love it when they that when somebody takes Christmas and turns it kind of on its ear. So that should be so much fun. Yeah, you got me interested now. Yeah, no, uh, I guarantee this would be one that you'd kind of want to get into. So that's a that's a brand new one to come. So I can't wait. All right. Well, yeah, maybe look forward to that on the uh, <laughs> on, on a future holiday episode. Indeed. <laughs> now, another film I watched, I wanted to mention, and I this is one I strongly recommend you check mm -hmm. out. We could almost we could almost add it to the list to discuss but it's another time loop film I didn't realize it was going to be a time loop film oh, yeah. until I started watching okay. it it's from 2009 it's called Triangle Triangle okay alright um, I think I, I stumbled it's on Prime so it's it's easy to find probably on a other streaming service here and there I thought it was going to be more like um Death Ship, if you've ever seen that, yeah. you know, yeah. People find a, a mysterious ocean liner and go on board and then horrific things ensue. That's what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a, it, it's all about a time loop. Interesting. Like multiple time loops. We don't know anything about watching time loop movies. <laughs> yeah, once I realized what it was, I started thinking, well, maybe I should add this to the list of films we cover this year, but... I feel like we're kind of awash with time loop right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure whether time loop really counts as time travel. I'm still on the fence with that. That is a fair point. But considering our, our, our time list is growing exponentially, <laughs> it could find itself into a future version. I am definitely going to do like a short uh, audio review of it that'll come down the stream here soon, but... Yeah, it it one way or another, I think we will add this whether it's this year or somewhere down the road. I think we will add this to a list of a like a an actual like deep dive discussion. Cool, I like it. But I would I would strongly recommend checking it out because right when you think that you've your head's been twisted, it just twists it one more. <laughs> <laughs> it's got some really great moments in it. Sounds good to me. I think that's really all I wanted to, to mention, honestly. I, I have been watching quite a few, and if you follow me on the social medias of any kind, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Discord, you'll see a list as I watch them. I always kind of check in and do a real short two, three-line review. But uh, So there's, there's a few others out there. and Yeah, there might be a few other short reviews coming in, in the future for 
most, if not all of them. But uh, that's all I really wanted to mention. I definitely wanted to talk about Triangle just a little bit here and get get you interested. Well, no, I, you definitely have me interested. So uh, I have an affinity for, like, the time loop stuff and how they get themselves out of it. So, um, Well, I will say this one, just to pique your interest a little more, it is one that I probably think is one of the best I've seen with doing the time loop. And the really interesting thing and something I haven't seen much in any time loop film is every time you see the time loop, mm-hmm. it's from a different perspective. Interesting. But it all still fits. I mean, it actually makes sense. It's like a really big puzzle all beginning stuck together. And it's like, that actually works. Wow. Okay. Now I might not escape the weekend without having watched that. <laughs> <laughs> I really I really do recommend Triangle. Yeah, 2009, Triangle. Okay, great. Other than that, I have been just kind of um, poking around here and there. Uh, I, I went back in and started watching some of the old 60s of the Avengers again. Because mm-hmm. I haven't watched them in ages and just felt in the mood. Diana Rigg, I... There's no escaping it. She is just one of the most beautiful people that has ever existed. <laughs> and talented, too. I love watching her. Yeah, what's funny is what you call, uh, you haven't really revisited it in a while. Um, I, I I know you two have revisited that fairly regularly. So. It, it's probably been oh, at least a year or two since I've watched any of them. Okay. I'm yeah. usually good for hearing about it at least once a year. <laughs> nah, yeah, no. That that and Mod Squad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, Mod Squad, again, I, I'm pausing because <laughs> I, I just uh, needed to break out the Avengers DVDs. <laughs> I, I'm always looking for something new to stream, and I, you know me, I, I'll go with newer content uh, over older as much as you do. Um, I'll, I'll consume the newer stuff coming in and one that, uh, it's been on Netflix for a little bit. Uh, and I finally started it and then tore through the whole thing in in the matter of a couple days. Um, which was a series called the imperfects. Okay. I don't think I've heard of this one. I don't know that it ever got promoted very well. Um, but it popped up in like you might like this in in that version of sure. the Netflix ones. Um, so I pulled that up. Uh, interesting premise. Uh, there, there are essentially young people who all have, share some particular disease, and they've been part of a drug trial um, situation where. They have been taking these pills over a number of years. Um, It's unclear how long that they've been being treated, but clearly since they were kind of children, and now they're like in their early 20s, and all of a sudden their pills have been completely cut off. And as soon as their pills are cut off, they start developing quote-unquote side effects. These side effects do present as terrible, terrible things, but then start looking as the series progresses more like X-Men style mutations where, where they progressively build on themselves. And if they learn to deal with them, they actually can be positives more than negatives. There is this brilliant, um, I, I think he's British, uh, young actor he plays the essentially uh mad scientist in this um and he plays it perfectly because he's that scientist that to say that he's crazy is not right what it is is he lacks all empathy he's more of a sociopath than anything but not with any uh, and everything that sociopath means you're not specifically evil just because you have no feelings. You, all you are, all it means is you're you're deadened to the things around you. Somebody says, "Oh, they really love you." That doesn't mean anything to him. So, so as a scientist, he can come at it 
pure because he doesn't care what he does to the people that he he does things. He's actually trying to find a way to save humanity beyond all of the crap that we're doing to our own planet. So he's trying to evolve us is, is what he's doing. It's just he's doing it with no concern <laughs> about what it does to the people that he is trying to progress this for. So nice. it ends up uh, involving, of course, some government agency out to get uh, rogue scientists and, and all of that. And it, it develops a little darker path on that. And But you get to know the characters. They're a lot of fun. The kind of uh, you, you've got one who her power is entirely um, f- her pheromones um, by putting off different scents based on her mood um, will cause people to have different reactions. And the first way that it presents is she's just trying to be nice. So now everybody is instantly attracted to her. Like she's the most beautiful creature ever. Um and she can't take it because everybody is all over her to the point of, like, creepy. <laughs> so it factors in that. Another one, he turns into uh, what he describes as an El Chupacabra. <laughs> and another one, she is a singer and she develops ultra-sensitive hearing. And then also her voice can go to pitches that most cannot to the point where she can shatter glass and stuff like that. Um, but at any rate, it, it, it ended up being really fun. And uh, um, I couldn't help but watch it all the way through to the end, and I have no idea if they get a second season yet. So, of course, they left it in a cliffhanger, as with most things. Yeah, of course. Yep, so, But I'm hoping to see more. I, I like that, that angle at the uh, sort of X-Men... Yes. X-Men-ish mm-hmm. um, kind of thing, the whole mutant vibe. Oh, what's even funny is uh, they they have a scientist leader, somebody that presents is trying to help them. And just like in the X-Men where you have Professor X and Magneto and they're two halves of the same coin kind of thing, the mad scientist that kicked off all of this is also friends with the one that is trying to save them. So uh, it all plays out like that. It, it, it is X-Men without it being X-Men, which I won't argue because I enjoy it. Yeah, yeah no, that's, that, that sounds interesting. Yeah, that's uh, bizarre. I I've, don't think I've heard that at all. Yeah, so if you haven't uh, if you haven't heard of that one, since I want a second season, go out and watch it so that <laughs> it gets the ticker up and they'll go, right. oh yeah, we should real, we should make another round. Was that a fairly recent series? It is. Uh, I, I don't think it's been out more than uh, maybe a couple months tops. Oh, okay. So, it's fairly recent. Alright, well maybe it just, maybe that's why I haven't heard it. Maybe it just hasn't found its... Uh found its audience yet. We do live in the world where there is just a veritable, it's not even a sea anymore. It is it is a galaxy of content and there's only so much time to get to all of it. Yeah, very good point. And when you have things with high profile things like the Lord of the Rings series and (laughs) the Game of Thrones series and all that stuff happening and the the Marvel stuff, it's hard for something that's kind of like an outlier to uh, find its way in. And that is a valid point because it would have had to have come out just as all of those things are all entering the fray too. And this is by comparison, a small independent thing compared to the juggernauts of Marvel and Amazon with their Tolkien property and all of that. Yeah. So it could get buried in the in the shuffle, so I encourage, let's bring that one a little more to the top. All right, then. Well, I think with that, we will go ahead and take a break before we uh, jump into our film du jour. <laughs> so we'll be right back.
this is Rod Barnett. I'm the host of The Bloody Pit, the podcast that examines films from across the decades. On The Bloody Pit, we have several ongoing series of shows within the show focused on specific things in genre cinema that I and my co-hosts find fascinating. There's a long-running series focused on Italian maestro Antonio Margheriti's films from the 1960s all the way up through 1990. There's an on-again, off-again series focused on 1970s science fiction film. There's an in-depth look at the Western movies that William Castle made before he struck out on his own and became the horror auteur that we know and love. A look at the classic Coffin Joe films from Brazil. And our long-term project to look at every universal horror film made in the 1940s. That's a long project. Well, it's going to take us a long... Sprinkled in amongst those are various other episodes focused on other stranger areas of cinema, like uh, Lucio Fulci, Dario Argento, and even some obscure British crime films from time to time. So join me and my rotating crew of co-hosts as we examine the stranger side of cinema through an exploitation lens. Except when we don't? Yeah, you never really know exactly what to expect on The Bloody So join me for The Bloody Pit. Dispatch. I'm at 11.55. The hospital need immediate assistance. Folded your pants for you. No way. Dude, did you get that or what? Ryan, I'm back. Undulate people! Uh, who's this crazy white girl? Same day, same day! Everything's different this time. Now, the killer is coming after all of us. Ryan! That means I'm gonna have to die over. Bye! And over again. To save all of you. Damn, this is crazy, man. If I don't stop the killer, more people will die. If I die again, I could stay dead. Failure's not an option. All right, let's see what you got. It's Happy Death Day. Again. The entire cast from Happy Death Day reunite in the sequel film Happy Death Day to You from 2019, and it is again written and directed by Christopher Landon. Carter's roommate, Ryan, is the one that finds himself stuck in the same day and being stalked by a baby-faced masked killer. Tree and Carter help him break the cycle by capturing the killer, which turns out to be Ryan himself. Ryan has jumped through another timeline to kill Ryan, because his experiment in quantum mechanics is about to make things a whole lot worse. This experiment is also what apparently sent Tree off on her original loop. Ryan activates the device anyway to try and send his doppelganger back, and the resulting explosion sends Tree back a day to, into a new loop. But this time, it's in an alternate timeline, where Carter is dating sorority snob Danielle, her roommate isn't trying to kill her, and Tree's mother is alive and well. While navigating this new timeline where the people she thought she knew are completely different, Tree has to convince Carter, Ryan, and Ryan's lab partners about what's happening and help them fix the experiment so they can set things right. But what's right? Tree has to make the choice, stay in a world with her living mother and lose Carter, or lose her mother all over again to return to her original timeline. This one here, Tom, mm -hmm. really leans into the comedy of the situations. Yeah, it, it goes completely hardcore comedy. Yeah, it, it, any any resemblance to a slasher film that the first one had is completely devoid in this one. It, there, there's, it's gone. Which is as extra entertaining because this is a Blumhouse property. <laughs> yeah. Which is not usually their shtick, but they kind of started it. I think they had to keep going with it. Uh, it still tries. It claims to be a you know a 2019 slasher comedy, and like there's like one slash. 
<laughs> well, as we noted on the first go around, this is horror light. I, I believe I called it uh, based off of a, a review. This is slumber party fair. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is even. This is almost PG. I mean, you could almost, with very little effort, you could lose the 13 off of the rating on this one. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what what was, con- I guess, a, a little blood splatter is enough to get you into the 13 category. <laughs> you still have people committing suicide in montages repeatedly, you that know. That is true. <laughs> So maybe that's enough to pull it up the PG-13. And it lets you, you know, use a little bit of language, but... I, I struggled to even think where language came up. It was it, They're pretty clean all the way around. Yeah, no, this one was... Uh, it, it felt like you were watching... It felt like you were watching, like, some weird, like, television series. It had, that, it had the vibe. Yeah, I, I mean, it. well, this one... And it is one of the things that I do like about it. And since we were just talking about time loops and whether or not they sit in in time travel, I would definitely say this one does. Because this also goes to some of the stuff that we have been reading recently and discussing more, where there's the concept of to travel to another time might actually mean you're actually going to an alternate version of reality. Um, mm-hmm. To this point, they actually did that. They, they, by by mixing it up, they did put her in an alternate world, and they actually went to the trouble to very, very loosely describe multi-dimension travel. Very badly, right. though. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it's interesting that in the first one, it's almost like there's um, there's multiple timelines, and then there's like sub timelines to the timelines, mm-hmm. because like in the first one, she's looping and she's making changes, and things are happening every time she 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 loops, but they're not as drastic as you know the changes that have taken place in this alternate world, right? You know, where people are completely different personalities. Right, and, and that's where I, I kind of dug that, okay, by his continued tweaking and reuse of his machine. First off, uh, I'm just going to throw it out there. I kind of like that this one told you why the first one happened at all. The first one is pretty much um, Groundhog Day. It's the horror version of Groundhog Day. And in Groundhog Day, as much as we enjoy Groundhog Day, and as much as we can be okay with the fact that they didn't give you any explanation as to why it's happening, because that wasn't important. Groundhog Day happens because it it needs to happen. And it's all about developing that character so that he grows. And so in the first one, that's what we got with Tree. She grows as a person by constantly looping through the same day. What I like about this one is, is like, okay, you got that experience. Now we're going to say, a guy made a science project, and that's why you went through that at all. And I love that she is just absolutely miserable that her growth experience is entirely an accident. Yes. <laughs> and, and that gives you kind of a little of that catharsis uh from okay, Groundhog Day the, and this one, they all happen. You, you accept that, but yeah, it was fun to get the little dig on there that like, okay, my personal growth had nothing to do with this. This was all a terrible accident, and I just happened to get stuck in it. Mm. I enjoyed that, especially since they were going comedy on this. You know, it made me think of though. It did remind me to our Groundhog Day discussion mm-hmm. where I pulled up a little bit of trivia that. The studio wanted the filmmakers to give a reason why he was going to that loop, including one of which was there was a local scientist doing an experiment. So, yeah, I think Mr. Landon here read IMDb IMDb trivia 
and crib the idea <laughs> to, to incorporate into this film. And, and if that, if there is any truth to that, kudos to him for doing it. <laughs> I just kind of like it because yes, we and it's great that we have done these films in that order. Because I do recall that, and I couldn't help but think it the entire time I was watching it on this pass-through. I'm like, this is exactly what they wanted to do to Groundhog Day. It would have ruined Groundhog Day had they done it. But because they're doing this one in the second one, it's kind of a nice little dig. It's like a little tongue-in-cheek. Oh, well, we just ruined it. (laughs) Well, this one, I think they had to come up with something because you couldn't just... Oh, I for whatever weird reason slipped into another universe. Right. I, you just it doesn't work. No. You you have to have some something to motivate that. No, and since they literally wanted to use all of the same characters, including ones that should be dead, <laughs> they needed a way to to do that again. <laughs> and that is amazing. Like I said, I do you know I didn't read anything along that line, and but. Um, they literally had the entire cast mm-hmm. down to, I, I even double checked Rob Mello played John Toombs in both films, Every even though he's, second. he's in here like 30 seconds in this film. I, I, I dare say even, um, the mom is the, the mom that was in the picture from the first film. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. Did they do like a, uh, a, uh, uh, back to the Future two and three kind of thing or something, and just Shoot. film this back to back. Well, I, I wish because uh, uh, not trying to bury the lead, but I want a third one. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, did they film the first film and this oh, film? Yeah, no, back I, to back? I totally know what you mean, uh, and yeah, you kind of wonder, but uh, no, I don't get the impression that that's how that happened. They just pulled the cast back together. Yeah, because, I mean, there was, what, two years between them? Yes. Was it the first one, 2017? So that had to have been filmed in 2016 to 2017, and this one would have had to have been filmed at least a year after, I'm guessing. I, I, I can only assume they got greenlit almost as quickly as uh, the movie came out. Yeah, it's just real interesting that they got literally everybody back. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> As well I mean, as he, I, had a few. I'm pretty sure the uh, the hospital police officer, uh, yeah, uh, John Toombs, like I said, uh, yeah, everyone was there. I was like, wow. I mean, that's that's impressive. And the same set, they went back to the uh, the college down in uh, Louisiana. Oh, and, uh, I think is where it was. And uh, yeah, no, they and they if they if here's how nth degree that is. They had to reshoot some of that. With the extras, with all the without the all the speaking parts, like because they replayed out the exact scene where she started out only in an alternate universe where she is losing her goddamn mind. <laughs> but that's the one place where I think maybe it, there was a few because I'm I think the uh, the one goth looking dude or whatever that Iser looked different in this film than he did in the first film. So maybe some of the extras were replaced. I don't know. Uh, I I thought he looked pretty dead on. I didn't bother oh, to, okay. to, I could be wrong. to research it, but like the girl with the clipboard trying to save the planet. Pretty sure she was the same. She's yeah. the same. Um, the guys in the frat falling down from being up all night, uh, those were the same guys. I'm pretty sure it was the same couple uh, getting hit with the uh, sprinkler. So, <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah. So uh, they, if they didn't, they they got lookalikes pretty damn good. I mean, we did watch these fairly back to backs. I did enjoy when poor Tree wakes up on her birthday, you know, in Carter's bed, <laughs> yeah. and she is so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she knows exactly who to blame. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I love the fact that 
it, it still proves that you know she's a different person than she was at the beginning of that first film. Oh yeah, because she's storming out, and yeah, she runs into the protesters. You know, save the whales or whatever. She grabs the clipboard and throws it away. The woman's like a simple no and. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. She has to apologize. Yeah, she's being terrible, but yeah, she's uh even when she runs into the uh, the the guy that tried to date her to hide the fact that he w- was a homosexual and she just he comes out and just yells gay. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like oh, oh. <laughs> It was Again, she is amazing. <laughs> she is phenomenal because as much as she had to go through the ringer in the first film and play so many different emotions, this film just ups the ante on that. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, because it took her in even directions they didn't bother in the first one. I mean, the whole thing where she literally has to make the Sophie's Choice kind of thing. I am going to decide between whether my mother lives or dies in my reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and even how she comes to the realization. There, there, that was very powerful. Yeah, no, I mean, there's that moment where her mother is trying to hearken back to a memory that if she were the tree from that world, she would know. Um, and that that's the moment that... Ki- kills it for her and and you can even see it completely in her face like this this isn't my life that mm-hmm. that's not i'm not that girl and i am living trying to basically steal her life right so yeah no uh she's an amazing actress i hope she gets to do a gajillion things more i have no doubt that she will yeah. i mean, she will continue to act and i can't wait to find her. I just hope she does more mainstream things. Yeah, I, I want to see her actually get real recognition, get the opportunity to be in that thing that says that tells the rest of the world she's not just the uh, the the happy death day girl. <laughs> yes, precisely. Not not that there's anything wrong with being the happy death day girl, but I I wish for bigger things. This film, as I said, really leans into the comedy, mm-hmm. and it really feels more like a um, a '90s college comedy again. It does I mean, you know, where the other film kind of kept touching on it and then kept pulling back. This one just said, "Nope, <laughs> engines full steam ahead." And, and two for when you're ready for it, it's too great effect. I mean. When she ha- when they have to, the conversation with her about she has to memorize all this stuff, and they're, they're never going to get her back to where she wants to go until they hit on the right, um, essentially Variables, the right equation right. for their machine to do the job. And she's going to have to learn all of it. And as they're telling her this, uh, she's like, I have to get murdered every day? And they, they, they tell her... Well, you could kill yourself. <laughs> and that's the option she chooses to go go with and then gets super creative. <laughs> the really over the top deaths that she comes up with. It was a little too cartoonish for me. It was, but it did have me laughing out loud at, at some of them. The the one in particular where, of course, you were going to have the... She's an attractive woman. You were going to have her ha- do something. They put her in a swimsuit and had her jump out of a plane without a parachute. But I had forgotten since the last time I watched it that that also ended with her actually dying in front of two of the other characters which totally could never have happened but falling with a big smile on her face and a thumbs up to the camera oh yeah she's breaking fourth wall just to just to do this but i you know it was a moment it it was clearly latched on to the ridiculous and i had i just bust out laughing in that moment i i guess like i said i it got a little too cartoonish for me. It felt a little too slapstick, uh, and 
uh, I feel you, but I, I was living the moment. I liked it. <laughs> you know, and maybe it's just, I come into these, and I think within good reason, thinking this is a horror film mm-hmm. that's with, with a time loop, and neither one of these films really lives up to that. Yeah. It, lives up, it lives up to the time loop. It doesn't live up to the horror. And it's really just, well, this is, it's, it's just a comedy with a time loop and it just has you know occasionally someone gets killed and you know the first one passable because there's there are many deaths and you see you know stabbings and okay fine this one it just it's pulled back too far and it's just all right this isn't a horror don't call this a horror comedy it's not there's no jumps there's no scares no there's no gore this is straight up comedy right yeah it just happens to have a darker side to it such as it is um yeah yeah it has some it it has some pathos it has some drama it's just it's a comedy it it, it is uh and and i grant you that and if you you're trying to watch this with a horror bent you, you you do come away disappointed because it's gone completely to the ridiculous yeah i I think if people had told me and described this film as oh there's this great comedy and it's it's got some time loop and you'll 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 enjoy it going in with that expectation maybe would have kind of softened the blow and you know i i would have expected what i was seeing on the screen right Uh, yeah as uh as far as a genre mashing uh vehicle i don't know that it does all of it successfully right because even when you build in the sci-fi component it to call it a mulligan would be an understatement <laughs> i mean they that take us a MacGuffin. for what we say because we say so <laughs> a MacGuffin, a MacGuffin. not a mulligan oh mulligan although, is different yeah yeah although with a time loop a mulligan kind of fits <laughs> You get to do it over. So I may have misspoke, but I stumbled upon something. <laughs> yeah, that was like a Freudian. I wouldn't say it's a slip, but <laughs> it, 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 it's a Mulligan McGuffin. Because <laughs> they're both there, anyways. Uh, yeah. Molly Muffin. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> anyway, right, yes, no, I will never oversell that. This is the. Uh, film of a lifetime that it achieves all of its goals it does not (laughs) yeah no the highlight like we were saying before really is um the highlight really is jessica rothy yeah or jessica roth i've never gotten a good pronunciation on that (laughs) no jessica roth i think is what we agreed on last time uh yeah it, it really is um it comes down to her and watching her, and she is really a brilliant actress. And it, all her scenes are a lot of fun. Whether she's doing the comedy or the drama, uh, she's really good at it. I mean, it's just there's no other way to say it. Right. Uh, yeah. No. Everyone else. Uh, no offense to all the rest, but they they are all bit characters in this. They are all there just to support her moving through the story, such as it is. Yeah, yeah. She gets a little bit of a break in this one, whereas in the first one, she's in every scene. Uh, she actually gets a little bit of break in this one. She's not on camera 100% of the time. There, there, that is true. and Close, but but you know maybe 80%. <laughs> and, and admittedly, uh, when the movie first starts out, and again, it had been a little bit... I hadn't watched this since it did come out. Um, so... Rewatching it, I had there was a lot of it that I had forgotten. I, I knew the gist, but uh, the order of things I had kind of forgotten. And that whole beginning where we start with Ryan, who mm-hmm. barely had anything to do with the last film, right? Um, he's just the creepy roommate making sexist comments in each scene, and we don't really see him otherwise. So for the first, what is it, five, ten minutes of the film where we're going through him going through the loop? Right. It does kind of go, 
Wait, what am I watching? Are we just going to do this again, but with a different character? What's the point? What's the yeah. point, and why am I following the character that I I don't know that I care about? Right. Yeah, I, I know the least. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, literally, that he had, like, two lines. He repeated them over and over again. <laughs> but it was pretty much the same two lines. So... Yeah, no, it, so it starts off really kind of awkward. Um, and, and yes, when you get to see Tree and, and Carter that are there, they're like, oh, oh okay, they're, they are there. We are going to get that. But it was kind of fun. Uh, and from what you were talking about with the triangle, or triangle, it's just called triangle. Just um, triangle. What you were talking about with triangle earlier um it is kind of at least interesting that we it looks like we're approaching the original day from his perspective because he's coming out of his car sleeping we're seeing mm -hmm. him go down the hallway toward the the room we're seeing the activities outside so i, I was kind of into that but i'm like oh god we're not gonna just repeat over and over again with him are we yeah No, well, it's interesting, and uh, I did find some information that um, when you were talking about wanting a third film, I don't know if you want to get into this now, if you want to do some reviews first. Oh, no, let's get into that, and then we'll review. Okay, well, while this film does set up the suggestion that the time-looping adventures are far from over, disappointing box office turned the studio off of making a third film. Aw. However... According to a June 2022 interview with Screen Rant, uh, Jason Blum responded to Screen Rant's question of a third film by saying, I'm glad you did, because guess who I had lunch with yesterday? Mr. Christopher Landon. Yeah. And guess what we discussed? Happy Death Day 3. We discussed it. I'm not saying we're doing it, but we discussed it. <laughs> it was very much on the top of our minds. I'm not saying we're not saying we're doing it, but I'm not saying we're not doing it. <laughs> <clears throat> you can take from so all all hope may not be lost. I hope. Uh, see, again, it's not great, but it's fun. It, it's just really lighthearted fun for something that involves. Lots of murder. <laughs> so. And if it's the only way that we're going to be able to see more of the lead actress, I'll accept it. <laughs> in, in, indeed. And not to mention just her character. I mean, I'd like to think that Jessica has more in her than, than this character. Oh, Absolutely. But Tree has become a character that you kind of want to know more about. Her whole attitude, the way that she carries herself and all that, the way that they wrote this character is just so much fun. And, and she does have multiple dimensions. She's not just she's not just the scream queen. She she's a bit of a fighter. She's a smartass. And she can be tipped over the edge to the point of crazy like no one. Her going off on that day, that morning, <laughs> was just so much fun. Absolutely. I would like to see that character grow to the point that she stops going by tree. Because that's a horrible abbreviation of Teresa. It is. <laughs> Who calls themselves tree? Uh one, one can only uh, guess that that was a, a nickname by the parents that stuck. <laughs> Possibly. Especially given her closeness with her mother and all that. Yeah, good point. Well, they shared birthdays. They shared birthdays. It was very cutesy. Um, yeah. You could see why she was struggling with the choice that she had to make. Oh, absolutely. So, so what did you find as far as reviews go? I know this is going to really take your breath away, but they were all over the map. <laughs> I'm not surprised, no, honestly. Not at all. So, uh, I'm just one person, and I'm kind of all over the map of my feelings of both these films. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I fully admit I am completely forgiving of this film. I just go ahead and, yep, bring it off. Let's enjoy. Uh, yeah, all the characters, they have nothing really valuable to say, but I want to watch her go through all of this because it's just too much fun. Um, I found an interview, or uh, interview, uh, a review from CNET uh, by Mike Sorrentino from uh, 2019. Um, Happy Death Day to you review. Horror comedy keeps dying to reinvent itself is, it's the, <laughs> is the lead. Um, while Happy Death Day to you can still be classified, quote unquote, a, as a horror film, it clearly doesn't want to stay in just that genre. Thanks to its lighthearted tone, it's found a way to reinvent itself again. Should there be a Happy Death Day 3, fans will likely expect the movie to find another way to die and reinvent itself again. So, um, he seemed to enjoy it rather quite a bit. Um, we can get into, uh, where is, where am I now? Oh, yes, a Happy Death Day to you from... Uh, from this is from RogerEbert.com. Um, Tomris Laffley uh, gave it a, all of a one and a half stars. <laughs> Ouch! Yeah, little little caddy on this one. Um, it says if you can re can fend off the recurring bores of Happy Death Day to you, Landon and Lobdell have some chuckles reserved up their sleeves. A sleekly edited montage of trees' increasingly creative suicides, why get murdered if you can just kill yourself, arrives just in time to alleviate the dullness. While an intriguing array of side characters, portraying nerds and villainous teachers, keeps things mildly bearable, the sequel doesn't drop the ball on some of the previous film's key roles either, in that both the adulterous Dr. Gregory Butler <clears throat> and secretly malicious Arumi Lori receive character makeovers. Still, the uninventive Happy Death Day to You can neither sustain nor recreate the charms of the first film by recycling its ideas. In a way, Landon's sequel gets stuck in its own alternate dimension. After starting off as something much closer to Scream in spirit, it devolves into a lazy, scary movie. So, mm. little, little lengthy there, but uh, basically, they don't care for it very much. No, not at all. I wonder, did was when he referred to uh, scary movie, was he talking about the spoof film? Yeah, the spoof film. Yeah, see, I... I feel like this film almost crosses that line. Almost. Into spoof territory. Satirical, maybe. Okay. Not quite spoof. They're not making fun of the genre outright. They're True. They're playing with it. That That is absolutely for sure. We could go on, but yeah, it, 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 is, it runs the gambit. You either enjoy this film for what it is, or you hate it because they made it the way they did. Because much what you struggle with. Um, if you're expecting a horror film, it's not. Um, if you didn't know it was a comedy, you don't think it's funny. Uh, yeah, so... It's all in the mindset to which you go into it with. Yeah, I, I've never realized how much a uh, preconception can really color your enjoyment of an entire film. Even if I walk into the film expecting one thing, when I realize it's going to be something else, it's like, oh, okay, and I and I can I can roll with it and I can go with it. But there are times, and there's just some movies that I watch. It's like, I I, I maybe it's just because I wanted it to be what I was expecting. Sure. And, and, well, and that would be ultimately the challenge if they did a three. Like, I want a three, but I got a feeling it'll be garbage. <laughs> the first one I loved it simply on the face of what it tried to do. It, good. Groundhog Day with a horror bent. And, and, and they developed a really good character. I love the character. Still love the character. Love that it. It, it tinkered with the idea by changing how 
we we did what we did and explaining okay well we can make an alternate version of it that's great what do you do in the third <laughs> yeah they this i feel like a third film would end up being the equivalent of austin powers 3 especially the direction they took it we're we're now disappearing into government territory we're going to use this technology to do something and, and for for a last laugh we we throw in that we're using it to torture one of the other characters but right but i mean i don't think that's where you take off on the third one the question is can they creatively take it in yet a third direction that would give it enough change while still using all the elements that made it fun to begin with. Exactly. Without it feeling like a complete rehash. Right. And I just don't see it happening. I mean, they barely, I mean, they walked the line on this one. This was a balance beam on this film. Right. Which even though you're kind of mixed motion about this, I think you would agree they they managed to take the premise and change it enough to not make it boring. It wasn't watching the same one over again. No, correct. So they they did take it enough in another direction that it was, you could enjoy it. Um, I don't know how they pull that off a third time. Yeah, I'm not sure. I did uh, also in that uh, article which had that quote from... uh, from Bloom, mm-hmm. uh, it was it said that uh, Chris Landon had like an outline of a third film okay. that he uh, had worked on right before Two uh, U hit the you know hit the hit theaters, and then one and obviously didn't do terribly well. He just kind of put it aside. So I mean, there is he had ideas right already. I just be very curious to know what those are <laughs> yeah see uh yeah i'm i'm in the i'm in that territory like i want to know but if it sucks i kind of it, it's fine if we let it go right you'll always have <clears throat> these two yeah exactly uh i i if we can leave tree as she is right now i'm okay with that <laughs> And you could watch them over and over and over and over again, and in, in a in, in one big giant loop. Now, <laughs> now, what I would be curious, and this is, uh, you'd have to put some distance in it, but if you rewatch them again later, now that you know what you know, can you look at it in a different light? Yeah, I think so. If walking into these films knowing that I'm going to be pretty much seeing a comedy with a time loop element versus a horror film with a time loop element, uh, I, I think I would enjoy these. I mean, I actually find myself retroactively enjoying them, talking about them, and, and looking at them, and thinking about them in that vein yeah. versus when I first sat down to watch either film. You'll have to see what time will do for this one. Yes. No, I think this one... it probably needs a little bit of a little distance Mm -hmm. (laughs) but i would not be opposed to watching them again in that right mindset of just i'm just going to what i'm going to throw something on in the background and just enjoy some some mindless entertainment there you go well i think that's going to do it for happy death day to you we are going to come back in two weeks with another suggestion from tom here he uh came up with something he'll have to explain why i don't know if he can without giving away too many spoilers or anything but we're actually going to watch in a harry potter film of all things mm-hmm. we're going to be watching the prisoner of azkaban yes this movie does have a a it, it requires its time travel element um it gets explained in the film but part of what we want to look at this one about is can you explain can can you can you think through, did they handle it well? And we'll get into that when we get into the, when we've watched the film. Okay, interesting. All right, you got me, you got me a little curious. As I'm, I'm wondering what's going to happen in the next episode. <laughs> and this is your first watch for this. Yes, it is. 
Well, we will be back in two weeks with that. Until then, if anyone wants to drop any comments or thoughts on uh, this episode, uh, Happy Death Day episode, either of those films, or the Harry Potter film that we're going to be talking about next time, drop us a line at timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com or come on any of the socials and leave some comments there. We'll talk to everyone later. Bye. See ya.